to me. Amen. Praise the Lord, everybody. I mean, he's glad to be in the house of God today. Amen. Amen. How many like what they feel in God's house? Amen. Amen. Hallelujah. They're not just songs, they're not just words that someone wrote that are meaningless. But I like it because those songs speak to me. Amen. Amen. How great is our God. It, uh, it was heavy on my heart this morning as we were singing the songs and I could hear them as I was finishing preparation for this morning and hearing the songs talking about God, how great He is. Uh, we look through and we can talk and we can sit down and have Bible studies, we can talk with people, we can give our testimony, and they can sit there and say, yeah, but, and then you can give them scriptures of what we believe, and they can say, yeah, but, and they'll say, well, what does this mean? And they try to defute what you try to tell them and explain to them out of a love and compassion with the best interest of their soul, but there will be a day to where they cannot say, yeah, but. They're going to have to get down on their knees and they'll be weeping, saying, God, forgive me. Forgive me for what I did. And that day is not always an altar that they will find. There will be the day. The day of judgment where people will sit there and say, you know what, I wish I had listened to brother or sister when they told me this scripture. I wish I had listened to the person that I work with. But God will have his day to where everybody will say, he is a great God. God will have the day to where your testimony gets backed up. People may not give it a value. People may want to talk about your church and your walk with God. But there will be that day with the lifestyle you live. It's either going to confirm it in one of two ways. It's going to send you to heaven or to hell. But God's Word will be confirmed. His Word, whether it be great in your life or missing in your life, will be confirmed. And He will have His day when He stands there and says, Depart from me. Or he says, my son, my son. And he welcomes us into his presence. Amen. Well, I want to preach to us this morning. God, to give us the anointing. More than anything, I just want to follow the Holy Ghost this morning. I don't want it to be empty. I don't want it to be void. I don't want it just to be a service. To where have you ever been somewhere and you walked away and said, well, that was pointless. That was a waste of time. I want this morning to be meaningful and life-changing for somebody here sitting on these pews today. Amen. I have a lot of scriptures to go through. I may not get through all of them. We're going to go to 1 Corinthians chapter 15, a very familiar passage of scripture. 1 Corinthians chapter 15 and verse 50. We will be reading through verse 58. Amen. It says in verse 50, says, Now this I say, brethren, that flesh and blood cannot inherit the kingdom of God, neither doth corruption inherit incorruption. Behold, I show you a mystery. We shall not all sleep, we shall all be changed. In a moment, in the twinkling of an eye at the last trump. For the trumpet shall sound, and the dead shall be raised incorruptible, and we shall be changed. For this corruptible must put on incorruption. And this mortal must put on immorality, immortality, I'm sorry. And so when this corruptible shall put on incorruption, and this mortal shall have put on immortality, then shall be brought to pass the saying that is written, death is swallowed up in victory. O 
O death, where is thy sting? O grave, where is thy victory? The sting of death is sin, and the strength of, the strength of sin is the law. But thanks be to God that giveth to us victory through our Lord Jesus Christ. Therefore, my beloved brethren, be steadfast, unmovable, always abounding in the work of the Lord, for as much as you know that your labor is not in vain in the Lord. Amen. Can we lay our Bibles down and ask God to touch us this morning? Heavenly Father, we need your anointing, we need your touch, we need your direction. We need your move more than anything, more than any words that can be said, more than anything that can be conveyed today, God. We need your spirit to be felt. We need you to speak to each and every one of us, Master. We love you and we thank you for this opportunity to be in your house this morning, to hear your word, to talk about your greatness and your goodness, God. We need you today. Hallelujah. What a great God you are. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. Amen. 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 You may be seated. I want to preach to us this morning the mystery revealed through time. The mystery revealed through time. The mystery of the coming of the Lord is not a mystery when you digest the scriptures that we read, the passages that are tucked away for what they are really saying. The coming of the Lord is a reality. It will happen. Uh, those who are born again will trade in our corruptible bodies for an incorruptible one. We will find a place and time when the change truly happens to where we truly become just like Him. In this moment of time that we sit in all today, we all got up, thought about what we were going to wear, thought about how we were going to present our bodies to a church body, to God, to the world as we walk in and out of stores. We get up every day and we present our bodies, our appearance to our co-workers, to our family, and to strangers alike. And they all judge us based upon our appearance whether it be just like them or drastically different. We are all judged each and every day. The simple glance by looking at you, Brother Brandon, people look at you and judge you and start to put, what does he make? What does he do? What is his life status? What kind of character is this man? Is he trustworthy? Is he not trustworthy? People make those judgments in an instant. They look at you and they know whether or not, do I want to befriend him? Or do I want to stay away? Do I want this person in my life? Or do I not want them in my life? People judge us each and every day. But the day of judgment that comes, it's not about our own personal sake of someone saying, I like them or I don't like them. The day of judgment comes, and we look at it, and it's everything that we are summed up, and God judges us. Not sure, it's not one that I really like to be in. If you've ever been in the room, been around somebody when they breathe their last breath. The very last one. When you've seen it and you knew it was the final breath. When you look at them, and you sit there, you stand there, you're kneeling there, you're holding the hand, and you watch their chest go up, and you hear the rattles, it goes down, and it is the very last. You know that unless God intervenes, unless something changed, that was their very last. 
that person, that aunt, that uncle, that father, that daughter, no matter who they are, are now just a memory. Just a memory. I remember sitting there watching my, my aunt sitting by her bedside. Everybody gathered around. We sat there for three days. Doctors come in and say this is the last she's going to pass. These are the symptoms. And everybody had seen family members go through the gradual stages of death as their body begins to shut down. And you begin to realize and people saying, it's not long. You sit there and you wait. And all the memories that flood my mind think about my loved ones as I sit there watched her chest heave one last time. Knowing that she had lived a good life. Knowing that she had walked for God. She had sang the songs. She had believed the message. She had lived what I would consider according to what I would say a Christian should. But my judgment couldn't pass anything for eternity. She then was with God. It wasn't a grieving it was a joy in the sight of our hearts. She has now had peace. The disease that ravaged her body, what was destroying her every day, the pain that she was in, is no more. But everything that she did, there was not one more breath that was given for her to go back and correct what she had done all the years of her life. Neither has your family members found that one more breath that says, I need to change that. Let God give you one more breath. There is a finality to the breath that God gives us. We judge ourselves. We look at ourselves. And we say, you know what? I don't like who I am. I'm going to change. We've all tried to do something different in our life. None of us sit here before us all today saying I'm perfect and I don't need to change anything else about me. We can all be critical of ourselves and look at us and say, listen, I must be different. I've got to change. We all sit there and we put on our clothes and we're like, oh, these pants are tight again or they're loose or whatever it is, something doesn't fit or I'm losing hair and you're combing your hair and it's coming out in your brush and you're like, I'm changing, I can't stop it. We all look at time and we'd all ask for it to stop and stand still. We would all say, I want to stay young and oh, for the prime of my youth. And we all look back and we say, if I could do it over again, that mistake that I made, if I could revisit that and not say those words and step back in maturity and say, I would do it totally different. People think of themselves, oh, I'll never get old. And young people think they'll never see the day when they're sitting there with gray hair where I've always got my youth. But time happens. As we sit here today, I've watched seconds roll off of this clock that none of us will ever get back. Breaths that everybody took that no one will ever get back. But our actions can predict our judgment. God can reveal your future through what you do today, what you do tomorrow, and going forward. The mystery revealed through time is the natural instinct for us to want to stop time. And you see people... And when they walk through the malls, or you see them in a store, or you go to work and you see them, and you look at them and they, it is their attempt to stay young, to look young, to stay looking like, oh, I've never aged a day. But you look at them, you're like, they just need to give up. 
I was sitting on a plane last week, and I was on the window seat flying back from Chicago, and the plane doors were getting ready to close, and I had an empty seat, and if you fly, that's like gold. You know that you have some space. You're not doing this, and I'm not so skinny, and so uh, it is always nice to have an empty seat next to you. And we're in the exit row. And there's requirements for flying. You've got to be able to lift a 50-pound door, and you've got to be able to agree to help others. And you're not just the first one through the door and slide down the slide saying, hey, everybody, this way, you're supposed to stand at the door and help them out of the plane. That's your obligation and your privilege for sitting on exit row. They're getting ready to close the door, and in walks this elderly lady. She comes down the aisle all frail and fragile. I look up. And she has tried her best to preserve her youth and look like she was in her 20s. But God forbid it was not the 20s that she seen. It was the 20s of today's 20s. And it wasn't a pretty 20 attempt. And I'm like, dear God, please do not let her sit next to me. And she looks over and she says, I'm here, boys. And I said, she's going to sit right next to us. But I watched her sit down and she sit there and she got all of her stuff together and the stewardess come by and said, uh, is everybody ready to help anybody if this goes down in an event of emergency? Everybody acknowledges yes and she goes, yes I am. But she could barely even pick up her purse and slide it underneath the seat in front of her in her late 70s. And, and in my mind I'm thinking, I am not relying on this lady to help save my life. She may say that she can, she may think that she can, she may think in her mind I'm young, I'm youthful looking, I, I've, I've stopped what is attempting to take over my body, but listen, saints, there was nobody that was in their right mind sit there and look at her and say, she's going to grab a 50-pound door, lift it up, turn around, put it on the seat, and help everybody out. She'd have been a liability. We all have our attempt to stop time. Young people say, well, I'll always be young. I don't need to think about my future, my education, my life. I'll always be young. It'll happen in its due time, but I will sow my seed as it is today. Some wish to hide things through time. Some wish that more time would pass by so that they could get away from an event that embarrasses them. Some wish that time will cover a multitude of sins. The saints of God, we all know that doesn't happen. In our law and also in our life, time doesn't heal all things. There's only one solution, and we read through scriptures and we find that. But just because 20 years has went by since the last time you did it, doesn't mean that time has healed it. Just because five days went by since the last time you got in a fight with your spouse or your son or your daughter, five days did not heal the hurt or the pain. Five days didn't make it to where it didn't exist. It still exists, and you can wish for every day and if just I just need to give them time you can give them time all you want but sometimes things need to be addressed and taken care of time doesn't heal all things preservation of youth just by causing time to cease and stop we find that youth when it fades away maturity should come up and rise to the top inside of your life and you begin to look back and you say I wish I'd have never done that we can look at our lives, each and every one of us, and we can testify to the fact that time has allowed us to be a little more wisdom. 
Brother Jerry, I'm sure that you've done things through your life. You look back and you say, I wish I'd have never done them. You look back over your life and you say, what a fool I was. And we can all mirror the words, each and every one. Time doesn't heal all things. Decisions, young people, made in your youth will stick with you a lifetime. People can say, oh, my court records are sealed. They may be technically sealed, but in your heart, in your mind, they are forever there. Young people, activities that you allow yourself to be in, things that you allow the fads and the, the new things in your life, and everybody's doing it, you will live with those results the rest of your life. I know a lady had an abortion at a young age. Now, looking back at it, it's in her mind, it's in her heart. You start to talk about it. Tears begin to pour down her cheek and say, I wish I never would have did it. I wish. Those things in our life we look back at, we say, I wish I'd have never done it. Young people, you will have those times in your life. You think you're invincible. You think that nothing can touch you, nothing can hurt you. You think that Nobody could do anything to you to take away your youth, but all it takes for one moment in time. Take away your purity, your life, your breath. All it takes is, I was reading through some news and the headlines, and it showed where five young people were driving down the road, and, and all of a sudden there was a teenager on the other end that was relaying the story. And he said in his interview, he said that he was talking on the phone, and everybody was having just a grand old time. A blast, a young man talking to the five ladies, and they were laughing and having a good time. And he said all of a sudden the phone went dead and he started to cry because he knew that those five young ladies had been driving down a road in a residence and hit a tree and killed all five. The last words that he heard were, we're having fun, laughing, ha ha, but eternity happened the next breath they all took. Young people, your actions dictate your future. Each and every breath you take, do something valuable with it. Don't be cussing and using words that you wouldn't use. Praise the name of Jesus. Thank Him for His goodness. Allow others to see the benefit of living a life of discipline. If you only knew that some people just live every day trying their best not to cuss, and Christians living for God can get up and not even think about using those words and saying those things and conducting their, their mannerisms and using uh, gestures in a way we don't even think about it. But people live every day if I can just not conduct myself. And you'll see them come up to you at work and you say, hey, it's commendable on how you handle yourself. You don't get angry. You don't lose it. You don't, you don't let your anger get the best of you. People try every day to live what we consider every day. Time doesn't fix everything. The blood of Jesus is the only eraser of past mistakes. The only escape from time. The only escape that anybody has from time is eternity because time ceases to exist. We all sit here each and every day on the cusp of eternity. We all stand with our toes dangling over the edge, teetering back and forth over eternity. It's what keeps us grounded and rooted, allows us to blossom 
and bloom and allows God to use us. But all it takes is for God to say, I'm ready to call him home. And then we have that last moment where our chest rises and ceases to repeat its ordinary daily function. Time has ceased to exist, and we sit there in eternity. The only escape. 1 Corinthians chapter 15, and I'll be going back through our text. In verse 50 it says, Now this I say, brethren, that flesh and blood cannot inherit the kingdom of God, neither doth corruption inherit incorruption. This reference to the kingdom of God is obviously prophetical. We can look through scriptures, and pastor has taught on these passages through the book of Matthew, but we find of the wedding garment, and we see the scriptures. This coincides, verse 50 coincides with what we're talking about on the wedding garment, where flesh and blood cannot inherit the kingdom of God. We, we see where it correlates, and the man did not have the wedding garment, was cast out in darkness. If one is not born again of the water and of the Spirit, applies Christ to their life, they will not enter in to the kingdom of God. If one does not have the name of Jesus applied to them through obedience to the Word and through Scripture being preached to us and being baptized in His name, you will not enter. I don't care how many Scriptures you've read. I don't care how many prayers you've prayed. Until you obey the Word of God, you will not enter. But the Scripture gives us hope of those who have have God applied to their life, have had the blood applied to their life. We see in verse 51, it says, And I show you a mystery. We shall not all sleep, but we shall all be changed. Is anybody totally 100% happy with the way they sit here today? Change not one hair, not one blemish, not one attribute. No, nothing. I'm perfect. None of us sit here today. But the change that happens in the Scripture is not one that we'd want to put on the front of a glamour magazine or Vanity Fair or Vogue and have everything just right. The change that happens that God gives us is the one to be just like Him. That's when you truly become a Christian, Christ-like. To be changed like Him. We find that in a moment in verse 52, in the twinkling of an eye, at the last trump, for the trumpets shall sound, and the dead shall be raised incorruptible, and we shall be changed. We find Paul goes on through scriptures that we'll get to, but none of us got up this morning, woke up out of our bed, and said, I'm ready for church, and we're ready to present ourselves as we rose from bed. If we did, I promise you, you would have a different perception of how I look in the morning. Because if I went to bed after I took a shower at night, I look like a troll, like someone just took me on a pencil and my hair just poof. It would not be one that's combed and the hairs are trying to make their best attempt to lay down. And you know, I've had this same hairdo since probably second or first grade. I, this is who I am. But if I was not to comb my hair, I would not be the person that you perceive me as. And nor would any of you be the person that sits here today Nobody works, wakes up and all of a sudden they're like, man, I just got to put my shoes on and I'm good. I'm sure some of you may have went, oh, we need to brush some teeth. 
need to comb some hair. I need to scrub this exterior body. And I need to put some clothes on this thing. Make this thing a little more presentable to the world. God says, I'm going to change you in a moment, in a twinkling. Something that happens just like that. Just like as fast we can't even comprehend the change. Now, most of us guys can get dressed in the morning pretty quick. We don't put a lot of thought most of the time into as much as some of the ladies. Not that they need all the time to become beautiful. But all the ladies sitting here today probably didn't just say, well, I'll just run out the door and throw something on real quick. They all took time and care. And they said, I want to present myself. And this is how I am. And they took the time to comb their hair and to spray their hair. And they're getting their kids ready. And this is us. And we walk out the door. But that took time. God's saying in His Scriptures, if you're going to live according to the Scripture, time, the change will happen in just a moment of time. We find in 1 Corinthians, reading through in verse 53, for this corruptible must put on incorruption, and this mortal must put on immortality. So when this corruptible shall have put on incorruption, this mortal shall have put on immortality, then shall be brought to pass the saying that is written, Death is swallowed up in victory. O death, where is thy sting? O grave, where is thy victory? The sting of death is sin, and the strength of sin is the law. But thanks be to God who gives us victory through our Lord Jesus Christ. We find in 1 Corinthians chapter 15 and 26, it says the last enemy shall be destroyed is death. A lot of times, we as people, death hangs over your head. None of us know when our time shall happen. You can read through the obituaries and see where death happened. And it's just a fraction of the people mentioned in a publication that says they passed away. But death happens, whether you like it or not. I had a gentleman that we worked with about a month and a half ago. Went home on a Friday night. You know what? Al didn't come back on Monday morning. Sitting in his chair had a massive heart attack and passed away. Every time I'd pass Al in the hallway, hey Al, how you doing? Good to see you, Al. But there was a Monday morning that came around, someone over the weekend that he worked with, hey, he didn't email me back, he didn't call me, didn't talk to me. Go to his house. And there sits Al. Took his last breath by himself, no one else around. Death will be conquered through God. When God created Adam and the woman in the garden, we find Adam and Eve. He created them to live, to be someone who would worship Him. We find the impact of sin took away a long life that maybe could have possibly been eternal life. It could have been, we don't know, but it, they lived far beyond what we live today. But we find the impact of sin in their life took away and shortened the breaths that they take. It was then that they looked back and said, sin changed my life. We're all sitting here today looking back over our life, sitting here as a young man of 33 years old, looking in, through my life and saying, well, do I have 20 years left? Do I have 10 years left? Do I have 5 years left? Am I going to grow old just like my wife's grandfather and turn 100 here in a couple months and, and live there at his home and what we would think would be a full life, 100 years old, or do I only have tomorrow? Do I even have tomorrow? This afternoon on the way home from church, is it all going to be ripped away? We think of those scenarios in our life 
We sit there and we say, God has everything in His hands. No matter what happens, no matter what my future is, God has everything in His hands. As a father, the worst nightmare I can think of is waking up or getting the phone call and having a family of seven, but having to walk through my door and me be the only living, residing inhabitant of that house and saying, where was all my family? A devastation as we've seen over the last couple of weeks. Tornadoes come through and ripping families and homes apart and people waking up and saying, I used to have a cousin. My aunt and uncle used to live here. My son, my daughters, we read through the papers that you see where the schools were ravaged and they're saying that however many children drowned in a pool of water in one of those schools broke my heart. To think that my children could simply be, that could happen to me. I work with a young man. His daughter died last year, eight years old. At the time, you know, Haley's around his age, and I begin to think through my mind, that could be me. That could be each and every one of us. We lose a loved one. We lose somebody. But when we put them in the hands of God, when God says, I hold the key to death, hell, and the grave, the last enemy of death shall be destroyed by the hand of God. 2 Corinthians chapter 4 and verse 14 says, Knowing that which, we, which He raised up the Lord Jesus shall raise up us also by Jesus and shall present us with you. Ephesians chapter 1 and verse 13 says, In whom ye also trusted, after that ye heard the word of truth, the gospel of your salvation, in whom also that ye believed, ye were sealed with the Holy Spirit of promise which is the earnest of our inheritance, until the redemption of the purchased possession, unto the praise of His glory. We find in Ephesians chapter 4 and verse 30, it says, Grieve not the Holy Spirit of God, whereby you are sealed until the day, unto the day of redemption. We see these cross-referenced Scriptures link us to the mystery of the Gentiles, the kingdom and Christ, and again prove the inseparable connection of them, God has His hand in each and every aspect of your life. There's nothing in your life that you can push God out of that He can't change if you leave Him there. There's nothing that you can push Him out of and say, I have control of this and you can't do anything for me, God. And you push Him out and it creates a void and you say, I've got this. God can change everything in your life. But it's so easy for us to reach in our pocket and say, God, uh, I've got this one. Don't worry about it. I'll pay this bill. I'll take care of it. Just give it to Him. Let Him handle everything. Let Him be the one that gets the glory and the honor in everything in your life. So many times we like to think of ourselves, I can fix this. And your children, as you try to get them dressed, and uh, London is just the typical little girl and she puts on her little dresses and she puts on her little shoes and she'll come prancing through the house and she'll come in front of me in the recliner and she'll curtsy and, and have her little headband with the flowers on and prancing through the house. But she gets done and gets dressed all by herself. She, that's how she likes to dress herself up. And if I was to go in there and say, London, let me help, it's always, I can do this. I can do this. And her arm may be stuck and trying to go through where her head normally goes. And I'll say, London, you're putting your arm through the, the wrong place. I can do this. I got this. And the next thing you know, she's got her arm stuck up in the air and her 
dress is down like this, and she realizes Daddy was right. We get down on our knees and pray. We get in a situation and we think, God, I can do this. I can handle this situation. I feel like I've heard from you. But did you hear from him? Or did you hear from your mind? Thinking within yourself, I can do this. God says, just let me. Just hand it over to me. We don't have to have all the answers. All we have to do is go to the person who has all the answers. That's all we have to do. That's our, our obligation, living for God. God, I don't know the answers to this. God, that's a part of prayer. God, help me through the situation. Give me wisdom. Have you ever sit there in those moments and whispered in your mind as you sit in front of people, say, God, I need you right now. Give me wisdom, the words to say. The Scriptures, just let them pop inside of my head. Allow you to speak through me. How many times have we done that? Have a sinner walk up to us and say, tell me about God. You don't say, hey, God, I've got this. You say, God, give me wisdom. And he speaks. And how many times we've heard it, people say, I said scriptures I didn't even know that I had memorized. There were passages that I said I didn't even remember the last time I read them. But God gives us the wisdom and reveals himself to others through us. We find in Philippians chapter 3 and verse 20, through 21 but our citizenship is in heaven from it we wait we await a Savior the Lord Jesus Christ who will transform our lowly body to be like his glorious body by the power that enables him even to the subject of all things to himself we find that God created Adam in his image Adam was perfect and sinless we find that Sin didn't exist, but disobedience brought sin in and death on the scene. And they now were introduced to something called sin. They were introduced to something called death. And through time, we find that the second Adam, Jesus Christ, walked in and addressed the things that the first Adam brought on. We find the first Adam walked in and brought in sin and death. We find that the second Adam, Jesus Christ, walked in in the New Testament of Scripture. We find that Jesus walked in and addressed sin and took on death. He went through each and everything that people live day in and day out of saying, I don't know how I'm going to handle the situation. Jesus went through the temptation. Jesus went through everything that we could possibly go through. And he says, I've conquered it. Then there was a time called Calvary. Went there and people thought they killed him. And then again he rises from the grave, conquering death. In Colossians chapter 3 and verse 1 says, If ye then be risen with Christ, seek those things which are above where Christ sitteth on the right hand of God. Set your affection on things above, not on things on the earth. For ye are dead, your life is hid with Christ in God. For when Christ, when Christ who is our life shall appear, then shall ye also appear with Him in glory. We will appear with Christ in glory because of the transformation from the mortal to the immortality. We look at our times in our life and we say, I'm so full of flaws and, and full of sin, but God gives each and every one of us a timer in our life. If you look at it, you see those, look them up online or go into the shops, the clock shops, you see the sands of time and you can turn it over 
play with board games and watch the timer go. You know when the last grain drops, there's no more time left in that capsule. You can't reach in there and put another grain of sand and force time back down through that hole. I was in a museum the other day. One of the, the hourglasses had engraved on top. One side said, talk. The other side said, listen. The gentleman had it on his desk by the name of Ronald Reagan. Talk, then listen. We are right now, saints of God, in the talk side. But there's going to be a time when it's going to flip over for each and every one of us. And God's going to pronounce judgment. He's going to let us know how we lived, how we missed the Scripture, or how we conformed to it. Each and every one of us will have a vial of time. will flip. We'll go from time to eternity. We'll all look at it and say, listen, we can't see the sands of time. It's the only thing. We all live here and we sit here and some people live every day to its fullest. They live as, as if that one day, that sand of time is going to drop through and will cease to exist. And it will then be a void. That's when God has control. Steps in and says, alright, you've been given your opportunity. How are you going to live with it? We all get up and we walk through the doors of our house and we get in our vehicles and we put our clothes on. Every day we all have the opportunity to change somebody else's life. Every day we get up, we have the opportunity to step into their life and say, listen, I hate seeing you having pain on your face every time you walk through the doors. I hate seeing the pain that happens every time you go home in your house is a volatile environment and you come back in and your eyes are red and tear stains on your cheeks. I hate seeing this. Let me tell you about someone called Jesus. We all have that opportunity. Jesus lived a sinless life. He shed blood that we could all be spotless, providing the perfect sacrifice. It's all upon us to walk in. 1 John chapter 3 and verse 1 says, Behold what manner of love the Father hath bestowed upon us, that we should be called the sons of God. Therefore the world knoweth us not, because it knew Him not. Beloved, now are we the sons of God, and it doth not yet appear what we shall be. But we know that, that when He shall appear, we shall be like Him. For we shall see Him as He is. And every man that hath this hope in him purifieth himself, even as he is pure. We all have the hope of being just like him. If we were to all pass out a piece of paper and say, what does it mean to be just like Jesus? What does it mean to take on the image and say that I'm a Christian? And everybody would have their own interpretation. Everybody would have, and there would be some commonalities, there would be some core principles that would be within, but somebody would have something additional. Somebody would have something taken away. Somebody would have everything there, and maybe not have uh, everybody lining up to them. Not everybody would be the same, but we look through Scriptures and God gives us the principles. If we live according to Scripture, and we try to be like Him, God gives us that hope that when we see Him, we will know exactly 
who it is. Have you ever had to meet a total and complete stranger, not having any indication of what he looks like, who it is, what he's wearing, or she's wearing? I remember this has happened several times. Go on a trip, and they say, this person's going to pick you up. All you have is a name. And I've walked in and got off a plane and went down and met with somebody, and I didn't have a description. No one called me and said, hey, I'll be wearing a yellow flower on my lapel, or I'll be wearing a hat, or I'll be carrying a cane, or nothing that we see in stories. And, and there would be no indication, I'm not holding a sign, but you start to look for something. And just from being, um, if you put a hundred railroaders in the room, most likely they're all going to, you can tell what a railroader looks like. You scan in the crowd and you're being critical, you're like, oh man, who is this person? Oh, someone will stand out. And you're like, and you walk up to them and you're like, would you happen to be, well, yes, I am. How did you know? Well, you just look like someone I was supposed to meet. The other day, we were driving from this last Monday. We're driving from the, the park and we're driving down the road, getting ready to cross the lake. Family's all chattering, everybody's talking. And like, oh, look at the lake. I didn't realize we drove past it, but there's a lot of people out here. And we're driving down through there, getting ready to cross the, the dam. And, and uh, I look, I'm like, well, there's some apostolics. Well, there's someone who looks like apostolics. My wife's like, well, they are apostolic. We go to church with them. From afar, I couldn't see any face. It was hard to even tell hair color. But I seen there was a group of people that looked just like apostolics. And lo and behold, they turned out to be apostolics. Because there was a group of people that had left the picnic, went down and decided to go fishing. And I drive by and I'm like, yep, there's everybody there fishing. Looks like they're having a grand time. I think someone was just pulling a fish out of the water. It's like, you know what? It's commendable that you can just look from afar and you can realize I'm one of them. They're just like me. It's recognizable when you come into the house of God that kindred spirit should be there. You should never sit there like I sat in a Catholic church one time and as they done the whole service in Latin, and I'm realizing I don't know a word they're saying. I don't know what song they're singing. I don't know what scripture he's even reading. And I just sat there and I got so bored I got up and walked out. That should never happen in an apostolic service. We should be able to come together and we're singing, that song I can relate to. That scripture is for me. That message I can apply in my life. This worship is conducive to my heart. This worship is to the same person that changed my life. Something message, messes. There is an identity that we begin to see in, and you say, this is me. Well, this is me. In the spirit, we begin to connect together. And we begin to say, He's a great God. As the choruses we sang before this morning, we can all identify with and say how good He is. How He washed me in His blood. How He set me free. How He changed my life. We can all identify with those songs because we see the commonality. It's all about Him. It's all about Him. In closing, there's a few more scriptures I wanted to go through. We see in the scriptures in Hebrews chapter 9 and verse 27 through 28, and it says, As it is appointed unto man once to die, but after this is the judgment. So Christ once offered to bear the sins of many, and unto them that look for him shall he appear the second time 
without sin unto salvation. Can we all stand today? The second coming is going to happen. Young people, listen to my voice. Your parents ever told you after you did something that you weren't supposed to and said, when you get home, you're getting a spanking. And that whole ride, you're sitting there wait, wishing, I hope they forget. I hope they forget. I hope they forget. I'm telling you today, it says it in the Word of God, He is coming. There is no, I hope He forgets. Because I don't want Him to forget. Because everything I live for is wrapped up in Him coming back. Him coming back and catching us away. And Him coming back and rejoining us with all the saints before. And all the saints that are today that we don't know. And those that walk with us and those that prayed with us coming together. And throwing our crown in His feet. It's all wrapped up in it. I don't want Him to forget. He can't because His Scripture says He's coming back. Just like it said, I'm going to rise again on the third day. He rose again on the third day. Just because He said He's coming back and I'm going to receive up my bride to receive them, He will come back and receive each and every one of us that live according to His Word. If you're not ready for that day, God gives each and every one of us an opportunity to kneel before Him today and say, God, reveal Yourself to me. Show me where I'm lacking. Show me the areas that I need to walk up to you and say, God, I've been trying to do this on my own, but it's all yours. I've been trying to handle this and think I have all the answers, but it's all yours. Oh, the pain and sorrow I bring on myself. God, I give it to you. Give me the answer because I want to live for you. We can wrap it all up and we can say I can take care of this on my own, but there will be a day to where it will prove out whether you've done it on your own or you've done it with Him. Whether you leaned on the everlasting arms or you leaned within your own inadequacies and saying, oh, it'll be right. All right, just give me some time. I just need time to pass on. God says He will appear a second time without sin unto salvation. Can we lift our hands and talk to Him this morning? Heavenly Father.